podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang, the morning after the night before. The NC Show has pulled an all-nighter to cover the first round of the draft to get you up to speed on everything you need to know. So, no promises. This could go a little bit left field. (laughs) We're quite sleep-deprived, but we will give it our best shot. Let's get straight down to business and welcome. Who else? The brilliant Ben Isaacs. Oh, I, I'm exhausted, but I am ready to go. But, you know, that, that's college day's life, isn't it? It's pulling all-nighters, the grind, st- st- staring at screens, looking at paperwork, see what makes sense, and then just winging it. We were trying to work out before we started recording today, because uh, listeners will know you and I go way back. There was a night in Vegas, way back when, <laughs> we pulled an all-nighter <laughs> and ended up by the pool at around midday the following morning. Based on that, that being a, a 10 out of 10 all-nighter, I am pretty spaced out at the moment. Where are you right now? Just so our listeners know and can understand that you're maybe not as lucid as you typically are. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, say, a 7 or an 8. I was perhaps at my most lucid um, when the big Justin Fields trade happened <laughs> and I got a call from Ollie, the producer, asking me to come on the radio at short notice. And all of a sudden, I felt... It was, I then put my game face on and I felt 100%. And then once that had gone, once the adrenaline of that had gone, it all started to get a bit weird. Um, and I know I'm going to crash at about midday today, but by, by that point, I'll be thinking about the second round and I'll be, I'll be chilling. You got to do it all again. Well, let's start. Look, we're going to dive around. There's a lot to talk about. They've got this surreal Aaron Rodgers situation as well. That's kind of playing along in the background that I wonder how that will play out. Let's start with fields because he was one of the key protagonists, of course, going into the draft with the five quarterbacks. His stock had fallen the most completely polarizing opinion as to why I would actually say a lot of people seem to be increasingly firmly in his camp and scratching their heads as to why the stock was falling. But there were others, you know, quite clearly had them quite low down on their boards. Teams certainly did as well. Falls to 11 and the Bears make their play, do a deal with the Giants, grab fields. How happy were you? (laughs) when that news dropped Uh, as a Bears fan I was absolutely giddy I was I was on Twitter all the way through the draft and I said before the Giants pick came up I said if someone wants a quarterback they need to do a deal with the Chargers because I thought the Giants were going to make their pick I didn't think they were going to take a quarterback and I thought someone was going to was going to call LA and say right Fields is available Mac Jones is available someone is going to pull the trigger I wasn't expecting it to be the Bears although They've got a history of aggression when it comes to this. And I was absolutely overjoyed because over the past months and months that we've been talking on this podcast, I have always said that after Trevor Lawrence, my number two quarterback in this draft was Justin Fields. Right. And I've been feeling that since before the college season started. And there was almost no college season. And Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were perhaps the two most important people in making that college season happen. They basically started a campaign. They got other players on side to say, we want to play. Now, if Justin Fields had not been able to play, I think he would have gone second overall. There There was a lot of second guessing from a handful of handful of plays two games really mm. most notably the big 10 championship game against northwestern where he did not have his best game he was he was pretty mediocre ohio state still won and a lot of people 
focused so much on that tape. He he was missing certain players around him for COVID reasons, and that was obviously an issue. But then he went into the semi-final against Clemson and completely outpaid, outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Now, I know it's not quarterback versus quarterback when it's on the field, but if you were watching, if you watched that game and you knew nothing about the draft coverage, you would say, oh, Justin Fields must be the guy who's going to go number one overall because he certainly had the, the better game. I think Justin Fields, was it, it was very unfair on him that he dropped. He, there was a lot of information that came out that has been disputed that he doesn't he doesn't work so hard he's the last one in the building and the first one out each day that sort of thing that he struggles with a playbook this this all seemed to come out not during the college season but just in the last month or so and yeah. when the 49ers had made their made their trade and everyone knew they were going to pick number three it, there was talk of is it is it fields is it um is it mac it, jones when and, that play happened i mean when the 49ers made that play the immediate instinct was it's got to be Fields for all the reasons you've just said. Then then it got super surreal as we talked about on the pod. So let's let's drill down into that. So with Fields, you've got a, a situation here. Everything fell into place as far as the the Bears were concerned because of the other business that had happened in the last month, right? So immediately picking immediately before them, right? The, the Dolphins were always an outside bet they might take one of the quarterbacks at six. There was always maybe tenuous, a little bit slim, but are they sure about Tua? If somebody falls, if Fields is there, that could be their guy. But they went Jalen Waddle at six. That explosive player you described as Tyreek Hill-esque uh, to add a different dimension, absolutely vindicating and supporting that they're backing their guy by going receiver in Tua, that is, and receiver in in round one. So the Dolphins get an explosive playmaker. The Lions, again, same thing. They had Goff. They have Goff. Mm, they should be fine with Goff, but they might look if, if a quarterback falls. But they decided to back their guy. Penny Saul, the best tackle on the board, goes to them at seven. The Panthers had done the deal with Sam Darnold, so they probably weren't looking for a quarterback. Again, you said something, well, if it, I always never thought the Panthers were looking at it at all. And of course, 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it was before the draft, the Broncos do their deal and get Teddy Bridgewater and they go corner. So JC Horn goes to the Panthers, Patrick Satane, the two best corners, as you told us only last week, go eight and nine. So the head scratcher is the Eagles. The mm. Eagles is the one I don't get. When that, that move got made, because Jalen Hurts, out of all of those, Teddy experienced, possibly, probably an interim quarterback, but can do a job as a starter for a season. Donald, we know my loving for Donald. And it was, I think it was always going to be, they're going to give him this year, at least in C. The Eagles are not in the same place with Jalen Hurts. How surprised were you that the Eagles make a move and then don't take him? Yeah, I, I, was, I was surprised. I thought that they would either take a quarterback or they might move further down and trade to someone who did want a quarterback. You know, they they could have done a deal with the Bears and they could have got some extra picks. I was I was surprised. Devonta Smith is an excellent player. He's my favorite wide receiver in this in this class, but you're right. They we don't know how sold they are on Jalen Hurts, but this is perhaps them tipping their hand that they are all in on Jalen Hurts. I mm. like Hurts. Um I think he can be a starter in the NFL, but if I had Jalen Hurts on the roster but I had the chance to draft Justin Fields, I'd probably want to take Justin Fields and I'd, I'd said to you before how sometimes when there's information coming out about a quarterback that's negative sometimes teams are putting that out there to put other teams off 
Right. And maybe it'll maybe it'll turn out that the, all that all that negative stuff about Justin Fields came from the Bears. <laughs> in, the hope that, in the hope that he would drop yeah maybe no i mean you know we, we joke but yeah that it's entirely possible so let's go all the way back up to the top we knew one and two we knew how they were going to play out uh, it was three that was the the pivotal pick and the 49ers in the end went with trey lance it seems t- to me reading what insiders like pedisario rapaport have been saying in the last 48 72 hours that two things we know about there was an audacious bit of interest in Aaron Rodgers who more of that in a minute Rodgers unsettled it seems uh, at the Packers that story rearing its head and that the 49ers when they made the move to go up to three didn't have a clear player in mind they knew they needed a quarterback and they were going to take a good look at all of those that were realistically going to be available which is why they attended the pro days both pro days for the contenders and make their mind up as they had, as and when they'd gone through that process. So Trey Lance, it wasn't as if they said, we've always were going for Trey Lance and we were f- out smoking you and boxing you with what we were going to do. It seemed to be, Ben, that they decided on Trey Lance having gone through the process. You know, Trey, Trey Lance is is a better player than Mac Jones. I don't think any of us um, will will disagree with will disagree with me when I when I say that. But if you go into the situation just thinking you will take someone, you do you do run the risk that none of those players are going to be exactly what you want. I think if you are going into number three, you should have a clear player in your mind. Now, obviously, there was the chance that the Jets would have been fooling everyone and they were going to take Trey Lance, but everyone was confident it was going to be Zach Wilson. With Trey Lance, I think he's a good fit for the 49ers, a, a better fit than Mac Jones, actually. And he's a better player than Mac Jones. And the 49ers have got Jimmy Garoppolo, who I am not a big fan of, but he is a, a decent, productive starter who Trey Lance can sit behind. Is They're that what we a- think? Is because there seems to be a number of different suggestions in terms of how this will play out over the summer. Because Garoppolo is a hefty whack on, uh, on the cap, right? So yeah. that they might sit, they might look at that as the game plan Lance, because he's, as you pointed out on our show many times, Ben, he's the most raw of these five, right? He maybe has amongst the, the greatest upside, but he is the least experienced and needs the most work, at least polished, at least pro ready right now. So they will look at him over spring and summer in camp and make a judgment as to whether, okay, he's going to need to sit at least a year, maybe longer under Garoppolo, or you know what? We could be good to go and then look at dealing Garoppolo. But that then opens up what is the quarterback market for Garoppolo? Most teams are set. Now, Denver, there are a lot of interesting rumors flying around that the Broncos, who, as, as we mentioned, have taken Teddy and would he'd be a serviceable quarterback for them for at least a bridge year season, but they could still be in the hunt for a quarterback. So if Rogers realistically can be prized away from Green Bay, I think that's a little bit fanciful. Garoppolo, perhaps more credibly, that the 49ers might end up dealing him towards the end of the summer. Yeah, I think I think that would be right. They need to really see what they've got in in Trey Lance. And to put Trey Lance in perspective, he's in effect played one full season and not at the top level of college football, at the at the level below. So he's not been playing against particularly good defenses, but he is an incredibly intelligent player. He knows he can he can learn any playbook i think very very quickly because north dakota state despite being one of the smaller schools 
runs an NFL style offense and, mm. and has an NFL style playbook, unlike Ohio State, where Justin Fields comes from, unlike BYU, where Zach Wilson played, and unlike Clemson, where Trevor Lawrence came from. So he's actually got a little bit of an advantage there, but he does not have the experience in actually playing in those in those systems. He only played one game last season. How rusty is he? So he's going to need he's going to need work. His ceiling is incredibly high, probably as high as any quarterback in the draft other than Trevor Lawrence. If he reaches his potential, then you are looking at a perennial pro bowler. Right. But work has to be done. And obviously any team that makes the pick does not does not expect to have just a ready-made starting quarterback to take them to the promised land. If anyone thinks that, then it's unrealistic. They know work has to be done and they they'll be ready for that but plenty of it has to be done and he will really benefit from a year behind an experienced player ideally i would say more experienced than jimmy garoppolo because it's not like jimmy garoppolo is like a 10-year starter or something so there are there are issues there um and jimmy garoppolo clearly his long-term future is not in san francisco there aren't that many landing spots denver I've got a real mishmash of a quarterback room at the moment. They're clearly not sold on on Drew Locke, obviously. Teddy Bridgewater, like you say, is a is a serviceable bridge. They need to do something. And obviously they were interested in Aaron Rodgers, apparently, but like you say, we'll we'll get onto that. Well, let's talk about that because it was initially Shefty that reported Rogers wants away. This is a story that's been kicking around for a while, of course, almost exactly this time last year, certainly opening night of the draft uh, for all of those reasons that the Packers seemingly drafted Rogers successor as opposed to a receiver and how that played out. Rogers went on to have an MVP season, right? And ultimately the team fell short, but everything seemed to be tickety-boo and back to some kind of relative harmony. But these stories have read their head again, as I say, Shefty reporting, citing a lot of different, both team and league sources and the narrative is Rogers has had enough. He's fed up with the way that the team is run. He is, of course, coming realistic towards the end of his career, Rogers. I mean, we don't know quite how far he'll go on, but he's late 30s, right? So mm-hmm. he knows he's got uh, three, four seasons realistically left in the tank. We know about his Jeopardy stint, this bro- <laughs> broadcast stuff <laughs> flying around there. So he um, he's clearly wanting away now there's a difference between wanting away and that coming into fruition because he is going to be it's going to be king's ransom to, to get rogers but there's no shortage of suitors reports that the 49ers you said also the rams interesting were a team yeah were linked to them which um seems surprising i know we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so even if you've got a, a, an incredibly good quarterback like matt stafford that you've just brought in sure if rogers is available you're gonna you're gonna take a look realistically, can you see Rodgers leaving Green Bay this offseason? Or rather, maybe let me reframe that question, Benny. Can you see Aaron Rodgers suiting up for another team next season? Uh, No, I don't see. I think if we see him on an NFL field this season, it will be in Green Bay Green. Um, I believe the Rams, when they inquired, it was before they signed Stafford uh, and, that, okay. and that they couldn't get Rogers. So clearly there have been back channels going on because I don't think someone just randomly calls up the Green Bay Packers and said, Oh, can we have Aaron Rodgers? It would, <laughs> o- it would only be if GMs knew that he was not entirely happy. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a very intelligent guy in that he could do 
many, many jobs that are not in the NFL and not just Jeopardy. He is not someone who this is this is his life that, you know, beyond football, he's got nothing. He's got plenty. And he's an interesting character in that, you know, he's he's fallen out with his immediate family over particular things. He's fallen out with the Packers. But in both of those situations, he might actually be in the right. Mm -hmm. But he does seem quite stubborn. And the idea of him saying, do you know what? I don't need football. I don't need the money from the Packers. I'm retiring. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. It's certainly more likely than the Packers making a trade deal with someone because I, I'm just, I don't know what that, I don't know what team would do it and what they would have to give up. But, you know, the, he's been in Green Bay pretty much as long as Brett Favre was in Green Bay. Mm. You know, he's been there a long time. It just happened to be that he wasn't a, a starter from day one, obviously because of Brett Favre. And, it really seemed this time last year when, um, or at least after the first the first day of the draft in 2020, when the Packers took Jordan Love, it was a sign that things were not rosy in Green Bay and that Aaron Rodgers had clearly been kind of kicking up a fuss with management. And then with the 29th pick last night, <laughs> they took Eric Stokes, a cornerback, and it's probably I, I I said I said on Twitter in the last kind of like ten or so picks of the draft it got a bit reachy and I don't think reachy is a word but I think we should make it a word reachy. Um, it's Eric Eric Stokes was a reach and you can imagine Aaron Rodgers thinking, oh God, like well, let's get me a weapon. Yes, okay. So this was this was the the real issue last time around as you say because it was the double whammy of here's your successor as well as not giving you a weapon in that rich receiver class in last year's draft Mm. this time it's a little bit different isn't it because this has been one of the most potent offenses in the nfl in the last season he had as we just said an mvp season he's got an all pro running back an all pro receiver yes okay the question is is there enough depth in that receiving core and i know that is subject to to discussion and maybe that leans towards the Packers should have strengthened their arm there. But as we saw, as Eisen and the crew were talking about on the broadcast last night, we saw in the playoffs, how they got burnt in the secondary that they need to strengthen defensively as well. So I I get the argument that if Rogers wants more ammo, you've got to placate him because he is, a generational player. He's quite clearly mightily fed up. Make the right play this time around. Give him what he wants, particularly because of what went down 12 months ago. But isn't Eric Stokes quite a smart play? Um, I'm not convinced Eric Stokes personally was the pick here. But if you take the drama away from everything, the best thing the Packers could do is strengthen the secondary. Right. So the, the idea they're taking a cornerback wasn't wasn't crazy i think was, everyone was so convinced you have an issue with yeah i mean I, I just think they would have been better value i mean even if they felt okay well let's let's trade back and let's get some extra second round picks i think because of everything that happened with rogers that had come out that day um although obviously it's something that's been bubbling for months if not more than a year yeah i think people just expected oh they're going to they're going to go offense because traditionally they've not gone offense um, at least skill position players in recent first rounds and that they would do it to keep him on side. But I think it's a good reminder that no player is, 
is bigger than a franchise, any franchise, but especially if you're a franchise that's been going for a hundred years that, right. you know, there have been, there have been all pro quarterbacks in, in green Bay before who have, who have won more than Aaron Rodgers, So they can't be blackmailed by Rodgers. They can't be held over a barrel. If they feel Jordan love is the quarterback of the future, then they've got to, they've got to go with that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was once the quarterback of the future and had to sit behind Brett Favre and just had to deal with it. And Brett Favre mm. didn't like it, but he had to deal with it. And eventually they traded him because he's even more difficult than Aaron Rodgers. But <laughs> going defense, going defense was really the most sensible thing they could do. Mm, but it was the, it was who they took. I mean, there were slimmer pickings because as, as we've talked about in the build-up to the draft, Horn and Sertain, demonstrably the two best corners on the board and it was a, a pick as to who was going to go uh first and second in that respect but then there was a big jump to caleb farley who was the third corner taken went to the titans at 22 and then greg newsom the fourth corner taken went to the browns at 26 so he was the fifth corner taken eric stokes and you can kind of understand and i understand i get your logic maybe if that was a position that they really, really wanted to lock in, then maybe they should have rolled the dice dealt up a little bit and got Mm -hmm. one of the elite guys on there. Uh, We shall see. All right. So with the quarterbacks playing out the way that they did, we knew that this would, if, if it was going to be Trey Lance or Fields going three and and it was Lance, then Fields goes to the Cowboys, uh, sorry, to the Bears at 11. It meant that the next team looking for a quarterback realistically was the Patriots because picking after uh, the Bears, obviously, the Cowboys had flipped with the Eagles. They're fine. The Chargers, the Jets, clearly as well. So the Patriots at 15, Mac Jones fell into their lap. You had cited the strong and ongoing relationship between Nick Saban and Belichick. You felt that if the Patriots were going to take one of these quarterbacks, it was most likely going to be Mac Jones, and it proved to be the case. However, how surprised were you, Ben, that the Patriots have taken a quarterback in the first round? Do you know what? Once he wasn't picked by the 49ers, I would have put good money on him going to the Patriots because I don't think now before the before all this talk started with the 49ers getting the third pick, people were not expecting Mac Jones to be picked in the first half of the first round. Yeah. And it all changed. All of a sudden it's like, oh, he might go third. And that overinflated um the general value that the, the perceived value of Mac Jones through just, this just entire process. Just on quickly on that, Benny. So before all that hype kicked in, where was Jones typically going? I say sort of January mock boards. Was he down at sort of 25 in that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Late, late first round, late first round, because he's not that much of an athlete and he's not got a particularly strong arm. He played in a system that was very, very friendly for a quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean you're a bad quarterback just because you're in that system, but he didn't have to do the things. and didn't show himself capable of doing the things that the other quarterbacks taken in the first round had done. If right quarterbacks are always going to be quote unquote overrated because they are, they are the most important member of the team. You know, we, we know this, but in terms of just pure talent, he wouldn't be a first round player. That doesn't mean I've got an issue with someone taking him in the first round, but talent wise, he's not a first round player. The, there are players taken after him who are, better players but your quarterback is always going to be more important so once he didn't go at three i thought okay well common sense is going to prevail he's going to drop to the to the middle of this round Mm. and with the patriots there at pick 15 i thought i'd be surprised if he doesn't fall in their lap and if they don't take him 
or if he's gone before, if he, I mean, if he's gone before pick 15, I thought the Patriots would trade back and just, just keep accumulating picks. I think that Belichick, knowing Saban so well, would have had many conversations about Mac Jones. I would not be surprised if Bill Belichick was very confident that the 49ers were not going to take Mac Jones and was just waiting for him to arrive there. He's an accurate guy. He's a good pocket passer. And he's someone who Bill Belichick can build up. And there's lots of lots of tweets comparing photos of Mac Jones with his top off with the famous picture of Tom Brady at the Combine where he just looks like an average guy does not look like a professional the photo that gives us all hope <laughs> exactly the most thing well you know anyone anyone could be the greatest quarterback of all time um people want to draw comparisons because it's the patriots um because it's belichick because of the body types but they're very different players nobody nobody should expect this guy to be the next coming of tom brady but can he be a starting quarterback in the right system absolutely is he going to start is he a week one starter potentially i would i i would go for him I would go for it and I would have him learn on the job. He's not played a huge number of games, but the systems that he's played in, I think will be, he'll be able to pick things up. And because it's the Patriots and because it's Bill Belichick, he will learn so much. Now, obviously they've got Cam Newton, but Cam Newton and Mac Jones are completely different players. And I think that Belichick would prefer a player like Mac Jones over cam newton so we may see jones week one interesting all right the patriots get their guy then in terms of other picks that really stood out for you as that's a great situation that's a smart bit that's what you needed i particularly liked and we talked about running backs didn't we in there their stock diminishing and whether Najee Harris and Travis Etienne were going to even go in the first round. They did 24-25 to the Steelers and Jags, respectively. So that means, of course, Jacksonville taking uh, a quarterback and a running back from the same team, which is always nice to see. But I love, in particular, the Steelers pick at 24. It has been an issue for a while since Lev Bell uh, exited stage left. James Connors had the talent, but injury issues. They were, the Steelers, demonstrably awful on the ground last season. I love this pick for Pittsburgh. What do you make of it? I'm not as keen. Mm. I'm not as I think they need running back help, but I think part of their problems come from the offensive line. And if I were the Steelers, I would have gone offensive line in round one and picked up a running back in round two. Now, it wouldn't have been Najee Harris by the time they were picking in round two, but the the, the two best running backs are clearly Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etienne. But these are not, to me, these are not first round guys. I think they're, they're both a reach. Now, if, if, you are, if you feel that your team really, really needs a running back and you really, really like one of these guys, then you've got to go for it because you won't get them in the second round. A 48, if, right? They're picking, so. Sure. So you'd, you'd feel that, okay, well, we're not getting those running backs. I'm not sure there's a huge, huge drop off from Harris, Harris and Etienne to the next tier. Right. Because these are guys who your hope will be you will get a good four or five years out of them and not pick up their second contract and move on to the next cheap running back. So in general, I'm not a fan of using these first round picks, but it is certainly a position of need for the Steelers. If they can get a running back who can get really rolling, it really helps them. But I would have gone O-line and then waited. 
Okay. I think it was a good night for Danny Dimes. They take uh, Kadarius Tony, speedster, a wide receiver from Florida, who I know you're quite big on, uh, dealing with the Bears uh, to take him at 20. And I mean, they're going all in on, the, on their receiving core. I mean, that's, that, I guess they, they've got to see what they've got. And that's how they're looking at it. They're saying this is, it's win or bust for you, Daniel Jones, this season, but he's going to have plenty of ammo to, to, to secure that gig long term. Yeah, he'll he'll have no excuse now. Um, he will have the weapons. Now, I know most Giants fans are not happy with the Kadarius Tony pick. And I would say to them, look at more Kadarius Tony footage today. And I think you will start to soften your stance. There's I mean, maybe they should have gone with Short Bateman who I prefer and went, went to Baltimore 27, which yeah. another pick I love. I was on my list. We've talked about this narrative on the show. God, for most of last season, how important it is to give Lamar some go-to mm. guys. And and that, you know, they've, they've done a little bit in, in free agency, but that is a smart, smart place. So he went, yeah, after 27. Uh, and do you think he would have been a better fit for the Giants? I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think they should have gone um, with Bateman. I I think a lot of Giants fans didn't want them to take a wide receiver at this point. Mm. Um, I think a lot of them were still annoyed that they didn't use the 11th pick overall to take Justin Fields, which I get. But clearly they are rolling with Danny Dimes. And the only way of making that work is to give him some to give him some options. Tony is a super fast guy. He breaks tackles. He will work, um, providing they can get the ball to him. Obviously, the quarterback is an issue there. I'm... Uh, people are down on this pick, but I'm not one of them. I like the Tony pick. Well, that's what Ben thinks of the pick. Let me pause you for a moment, Benny, because David Cartledge, ESPN writer, dropped me a voice note a little bit earlier on. Big Giants fan. Let's hear what he thinks of the pick. It was another wild NFL draft night for the New York Giants. It simply couldn't be any other way. All the talk before the draft was them taking either Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith, the two Alabama wide receivers. Once Waddle went off the board to Miami, it seemed Smith was all ours, falling away to the Giants. Then suddenly this wild trade occurred between the Eagles and the Cowboys. So the Eagles came up and they were in desperate need of a wide receiver for the excellent Jalen Hurts. Giants fans were then stunned to see the team move back to 20. And uh, there they landed Kadarius Toney, Florida wide receiver, lots of speed, uh, slot receiver, but he was projected to go much later, and there was a sense that the Giants would use one of the pass rushers who were still on the board at the time. They didn't do it, however, and overall, the trade is seen as a bit of an underwhelming one. So the Giants can move into the season knowing that they've got a lot more offensive pieces right now for Daniel Jones, but there are still serious concerns about what, over what sort of protection he should get. Maybe in the deeper rounds, the Giants can pull off some magic. Lovely stuff from David Cartledge. You can read his stuff over on the ESPN website. All right. Give us some other picks. We've covered a lot of ground, but any other picks in the first round that you either particularly liked or you hated? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up uh, Jalen Phillips, um, the edge rusher taken by the Miami Dolphins from the university of Miami, Mm. because he's had so many issues. He's had injury issues. He has retired from football to go into the music industry. There have been, there are so many question marks around him. Um, this is, this is like the prototypical boom or bust player. He's got mm. a high ceiling, but his floor is really low. So if we had right. all that extra curricular 
stuff rumbling on, would he have been, is he one of those players that you would say he's one of the, the most talented in terms of raw materials players in this draft, but he's fallen to it. Well, he went 18 in the end to Miami for those reasons. Yeah, he's, he's clearly, he's clearly got talent, but there's issues with how committed is he to this? And if things start to go a bit wrong, is he just going to switch off now? A couple of picks later, a player from the same position, uh, Quitty Pay, edge rusher out of Michigan, who's gone to the Indianapolis Colts, he to me was a was a much better pick, and who the Dolphins should have gone for. I love this guy. He's been so athletic. He's really powerful. He's a really smart player, and there's you should seek out the the story um, of of his of his life how he ended up at michigan and the stuff that his family went through through you know surviving war it's it's quite an emotional thing and he's mm. such a hard-working player really talented i love that pick at number 21 for the colts he's perfect for them but he would have been perfect for the dolphins and i if if i were a miami fan i would be really disappointed that that's how it that's how it went down i also really i like, just wonder on that whether you know, miami have looked at all this capital they've had over the last couple of years and i just wonder whether they're prepared to gamble a little bit because they've got because they've got that stock you know i wonder whether that's that's the rationalization oh yeah I, I, yeah i mean th- this is it they feel that they are not um they've got a pretty stacked roster now and that means you can roll the dice on players you've got more leeway and he could end up being fantastic i i just felt that the safer pick the more reliable the more reliable guy was quitty pay um i wanted to bring up christian darasaw the offensive tackle out of virginia tech taken by the vikings at number 23 Mm. there was talk um not long before the vikings took him that the bears were looking to move back into the first round again to take a second first round player and for it to be christian darasaw who they have coveted and i think if if it wasn't for Justin Fields being available, the Bears would have taken Christian Darasaw at number twenty. He's he's not Penny Sewell, but he's a pretty special tackle. I think he is absolutely fantastic. He can play guard if he needs to. The Vikings moved back and were able to take him. They they were at fourteen, and he would have been a good pick at fourteen. But getting him at twenty three and picking up uh, a couple of extra picks is absolutely fantastic. They had. They had a great night. I think a lot of the times, if you are a casual NFL fan, you'll look at the splashy players, the, the, the guys who you can go onto YouTube and see amazing highlights of, which for, for offensive tackles, you don't see so much of that. So if you see the Vikings have taken an offensive tackle at 23, it looks a bit like, okay, fine. But there's, there's more, so much more to it. The value that they got and the talent that they've picked up there is fantastic. One more for you. The final pick of the first round, Joe Tryon going to the champs. Tell us a little bit more about him because there seems to be a lot of buzz about him from the draft Knicks on the, the coverage. Seems to like the fact that they're strengthening an already uh, impressive defense with him. I'm not sure we covered him. We might have done apologies if we did skirt over him, but tell us a bit more about him. Yeah, no, we we didn't cover him. Um, he is someone who can play in lots of different positions. Um, he can be a pass rusher, but he can just he can line up almost anywhere because because the bucks have got all their starters back he's not going to be rushed into anything he'll come in in particular situations and be able to make an impact he has got like the body of a greek god you know he he is such a physical specimen very productive guy didn't play in 2020 as lots of players opted out for covid reasons i really like this pick this is this is the classic case of the rich getting richer really nice pick 
and they don't even have to rush him in. They don't, they don't, they don't need him. They want him. And that's the best situation to be in. Love it. That was comprehensive. Benedict Isaac's storming work as ever. At Tweets from Ben is where you follow the big man on Twitter. Are you ready to do it all again tonight? Yeah, if I'm allowed to go to bed now. Yes, you are. You're allowed at least. Should we get an alarm call for you? How do you want to play it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, get an alarm call set for midnight and I'll just be ready to go. I'll get myself hopped up on caffeine and just fight my way through it because you know, we're only one round in. Oh, you love it. You particularly, you, you love the kind of fourth and fifth, the deep waters of that. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love, I love being able to, you know, say, oh yeah, I love, I love this guy who's gone 200th overall. And, you know, he is, he is why he's good because, you know, I, I don't expect, I don't expect every listener to know these guys and, you know, I'll, I'll watch these guys. So you don't have to, and then you can just enjoy them on Sundays. You got our back, Betty. Appreciate it. Great work. Uh, we will check in with you soon. College days rolling through the off season, rolling into next season. Some exciting stuff coming your way with regards to that. So looking forward to talking about it. Speaking of exciting stuff coming your way, Iron Mike back in the house next week. Oh my God, we've got a lot to talk about with the big man. We're going to look at the off season, the deals, the moves he particularly likes. He will definitely have a lot to say about the draft as well. So we're going to go big. We're going to go bumper. We're going to go deep with Iron Mike. That will drop next week and episodes coming thick and fast. J-Bell uh, coming your way soon plenty more besides so we are going to keep it on keep it strong keep it rolling all through the off season enjoy the rest of the draft try and get some kit see you next time Follow Baseball Nuts. Join us on the Johnny and Josh Show with my baseball brothers, where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis. And my friend, Eric Jansen, will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell, who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh Show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.